Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, today we're starting up a brand new series. I'm glad you're here. It's going to be exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it simply because, you know, we're in that season of fall, and it has, potentially has the, the momentum to change somebody's lives. And like we like to say around here, change lives. Do what? Come on, say it with me, church. Be alive. Change lives. So we're going to talk about loving people. Even every type of person is real. You know, we know people are real around us. But we're going to talk about how to love them like God wants us to love them, even though they literally suck the what? life out of you, right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest. There's a lot of people in our lives that really just bring us down and suck us out and get us to places we don't want to be. And so before we even get started, just a show of hands, you know, just, just let's just, just be honest this morning, right? We got some people on fall break and stuff like that. But how many would say, just by a show of hands, you recognize that there's some people are a little bit more difficult in life than others? Anybody? All right, so look around, you're not alone. So now, now is that person sitting beside you? Raise your, no, don't do that, I'm just kidding. You know, so uh, did we mention, though, that somebody in the nest is raising their hand? So, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, we, get, we, we, we do have some amazing counselors here, so if you do want to just throw those hands up and go all in, uh, we're going to start up a, a, a marriage group here in a couple of weeks. We've got some men's groups happening, so we encourage you just to check those things out. But more importantly, we know this stuff is real. And sometimes you live with it. And so we want to be real about what we're talking about, but we also want to be just diving into some truth and some wisdom, especially from Jesus. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about relationship vampires. And I know that sounds weird, but if you think about it, what did vampires do? That's right, suck the blood, right? You know, uh, that's my worst vampire saying. So, but, uh, you know, a vampire sucks blood, that's right. And so, so what does a relationship vampire do? sucks the life out of you. And some people are, and this morning, even as you walk in here, you're, you're dead, right? And it just got really quiet. But it's true. Like, you're done. You just have nothing left to give. You just, because the life has been sucked out of you. And so as we transition into this fall season around here, we just want to play on that season a little bit, uh, especially as we dive into, you know, October and fall and Halloween and everything else. And as we transition into this, this season, you're going to be around a lot more people is what we know. It never fails. You got Christmas coming up. I know it's kind of a bad word to say in the middle of a heat wave, but it's true. Christmas coming up. Thanksgiving's coming up. October's right here. And you're going to be around a lot of people that probably want to do one thing. Suck the life out of you. So how are you going to love them? Because of what we typically do, we just shut down, don't we? We just completely just shut down. We throw the curtain up and we just put the bumpers up and we're like, ain't moving. Not going to be a part. But God's commanded us to love them. And, and, and here's a word for us. Just remember this. You don't hear anything else the rest of the day. Remember EGR. EGR. Extra grace required. All right? There's some people that I guarantee if you just say EGR, when they come in your room, you're just EGR, 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 EGR. They'll be looking like you like, what's going on? But I promise you, they'll lean in because they're curious what's going on. And you just say, extra grace required. And they will be, What? But I promise you, it'll change the atmosphere. Because when you put God in the middle of it, when you put grace in the middle of it, things change. And so some of you may be asking, how, how do we love people that really literally suck the living life out of me? Um, 
You have chosen just to, just, just to stay away from them, and you, sometimes most people dodge them uh, for the rest of your life, and, and that's not really living. That, that's honestly, in my, that's, in my opinion, it's, it's being held hostage and being held back. So let me quickly tell you where we're going for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about loving people that, that can be overly critical next week and always picking us apart and, and never allowing us to uh, breathe, and, and they're honestly, sometimes they even beat us down by the words they say. I know no one has ever been that way, Right? Uh, but week three, we're going to talk about how uh, loving very, or excuse me, we are going to talk about loving very needy people and whatever they do is never enough, right? I don't know if anybody's ever met somebody like that, but man, I, I've, I've had them in my life. There, there's always need for more, and I'm, I'm sure that's never happened to any of us, but it's, the truth is they're always asking for that one more thing. And the question is, is how do we love them appropriately? How, how, how do we love them with, with that God's grace? And then in week four, we're going to talk about Loving people who are hypocritical. Um, I know we just talked about hypocrites a couple weeks ago, but now we're going to talk about hypocritical persons that suck the life out of you. It's a little bit different, especially as we move into Christmas and, and, and Thanksgiving. Maybe there's some of the people that call themselves Christian, but their, their behavior doesn't align with what God's word says, and they're constantly pulling you. They're constantly pulling you away from Christ. So what is our role in all that? How do we, how do we love them and, and find life at the same time? It's a huge question. How do we love those people? And how do we love people that God commanded us to love even though they are a relationship vampire? Great questions. That's where we're going. I hope you know that now. So if you don't want to come back the next four weeks, I know where you're at, okay? So however, for the rest of the time we have today, I want to talk about something that many people face day to day. And I don't want, you know, we typically just don't know how to overcome it, right? I think that's the thing that I've noticed the most is, is how do we love people, okay, you with me so far? How do we love people who are incredibly, I'm going to say the word, and it's just going to be like the mega bomb, here it comes, controlling. Ooh. How do we do that? How do we love people who are incredibly controlling? Some of you are like, I don't know. I live with him, (laughs) you know? But those who power over us, those who squash any life out of us, who just literally squeeze everything out of us by controlling everything we say and do. As we jump in today, and if you're honest, by a show of hands, how many of you know someone who's a control freak? All right, we have one hand throwing up quickly, got some hands popping up everywhere. That's awesome. Thank you for your honesty. And so by a show of hands, how many, how many, come on, let's just, now if you raise your hand, think about this. Now if you raise your hand, you showed your hands, right? You showed your cards. How many would say it's the person beside you? Don't do that. Just kidding. But think about this. If the person beside you pulled your hand back down, you might be in the right place today, okay? Just saying. This, this could be one of those toe stompers, okay? This is exactly where you need to be. See, control enthusiasts. Let's use that word instead of freak. Control enthusiasts. It sounds like a group that we need to all be a part of. Controlled enthusiasts of life. Typically, got to say something about everything, don't they? I mean, even if they don't know nothing about it, they'll, they'll put their two cents into it. And they'll just, mm-hmm, I got to, mm-hmm, mm, yeah, this is how, and then they'll just start going on, and it just, and they don't even know what they're talking about, but it's true, right? And, and what we know is, is some of you have, honestly, they've been really hurt by your actions. We know people that have been hurt by people who have tried to control you. And maybe someone who is an authoritative 
position right now in your life, and maybe, maybe it was abusive and it hurt you. Most often people try to control, control us. They're, they're not malicious. It's just sometimes they're just needy and insecure. And hurting people hurt people, right? They just do it. And who are trying to get us to do what they really think that should be done in our own lives, but they're actually the ones that are hurting. And if we don't, uh, and if we don't, these people who can be emotionally a black hole and, and we pour life into them and, and no matter what we do is not enough, no matter what we give them, they always do what? They demand more. They control more. They even actually take it to another level and, and it just, it makes you go insane. And if they don't get what they want, and sometimes they what? They just pout. You know, I just want to be a part of it. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll even stomp off mad, right? I mean, I've seen this before. I'm not saying I've done it. Or maybe I've whined. But, you know, but sometimes they complain. and Sometimes they give you a silent treatment. Anybody? Sometimes they walk away and, and, and all the time you feel like you're walking on eggshells, don't you? And if you're thinking about someone right now, just, just think about them. Don't point at them. Because this could get really awkward really quickly because I know what? I'm probably in this category of control freak. But I also know that I'm not alone because almost all of us are if we truly admit in the truth. And so if we can all just open up to this idea this morning and be very vulnerable, I think we can all lean in and trust God in a way that can challenge us and it can potentially change us. And so, so how do we love those who are trying to control us? I think we first better understand how do we do it and how do, how do they do it, right? We need to create a foundation of understanding, a, a base to where we can really start to build on. And it's got to be with Jesus at the center, otherwise we're totally hosed, okay? But we better understand also what are some weapons that they, the controllers have on us. What do they do and how do they throw those darts? How do they take control? And I believe there are two weapons a controller has. And the first weapon they use is, 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 is threats. They throw threats down. And the second one is guilt. They use threats and they use guilt. And what do threats look like? In, in some form or fashion, they say something like, they may say it, 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 it may imply to you or you better do it or you'll what? You'll regret it. If you don't do what I want you to do, you're, you're going to have to what? Pay for this. And they use threats. Sometimes they use empty threats. You know they'll never, ever, ever come clean on it and do that. But maybe you've, you've been around a situation and maybe you've grown up in it. I'm gonna, this is a touchy subject, especially in our country right now. But let's just be honest. I'm very transparent here. If you're in a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship who says, I'll break up with you if you don't do what I want to do sexually. It's a threat. It may be even in a relationship at a job where you have to do what your boss says, otherwise you're going to get canned and you're, you're living on fear. You're on edge constantly. You, you avoid them. You dodge them. Possibly even in your relationship in your marriage and where a spouse says they're going to walk out or leave you if you don't do what, what? I want you to do. That doesn't honor God. There's some counseling that needs to be done there, but that doesn't honor God. Possibly even, a, you know, they even bring up the what? The big D word. 
And that doesn't honor God at all. But it's the foundational piece of understanding where we need to build on. And the second thing the person uses is what? Guilt. It may sound like this. After all, after all, I've, after all I've ever done for you. Ever heard that before? You, you won't do this one thing for me? I mean, I thought we were friends. Come on, man. You call yourself a Christian, right? You must be too busy for me because you want to pick up the phone. You don't love me. I could be dead for two weeks and rotting in my house and you wouldn't even know. Threats and guilt play a huge piece in how controller vampires control our relationships with one another. And so how, here's the question, how do we as followers of Jesus love those who are intentionally or unintentionally trying to control or manipulate us? And if you have your Bibles, I want you to just dive into them with me right now. Matthew, let's look in Matthew. Uh, here's, a, here's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the first one in the New Testament. Matthew was a person who walked with Jesus and was one of Jesus' earliest disciples who recorded everything he did and said. In one of those stories he recorded, there's an exchange of words uh, from Jesus to Peter that helps bring clarity to the subject that matter, and especially what we're talking about right here and right now. Jesus was very clearly explaining to Peter, he must do the will of God in his life, right? And Peter unintentionally trying to do what he thinks is right. There's the catch, what he thinks is right. Literally tries to take control of Jesus and very unintentionally way is going to try to distract him from what God wants for the life of Jesus. And essentially, Jesus was clearly explaining to his disciples that he had to suffer and die and then he was going to, to his life, and, and, and then he was, God would raise him from the dead. And then Peter looks on and essentially says, wait a minute. No, we're not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus clearly explaining the will of God. Peter is saying, no, I want to take control, and I want to make sure this doesn't happen because I love you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. And he throws down some words here that I think are very eye-opening and very amazing, especially in the situation. So in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 and following, it says this in my Bible, reading from the NIV. It says, from the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day, and be raised to life. Verse 23, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, have you ever noticed sometimes when controllers or manipulators in life, they, they sort of, they often isolate you and they, they, they pull you to the side. Ever notice that? Yeah, and, and they often like take you to the side and, and they, they say things from, from away from everybody else and they sort of whisper so they can help impose their will upon you in a way that, that only makes sense to them. And this is exactly what Peter's doing right here. It's, it's very clear. And then he says this. He says, never, Lord, never, he says. This shall never happen to you. In verse 23, Jesus, I can only imagine this moment, like he just turned, whipped that head around and said to Peter, what did he say? Get behind me. Peter? No. Get behind me what? Now, this is the same dude now that walked on water. This is the same dude just a minutes ago. He calls out who he is. And now he's saying, get behind me what? Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now, this is Jesus. 
He doesn't need blocks to walk on. He's just, you know, but this is so interesting. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have it in mind in the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You're not thinking heavenly. You're only thinking this way, Peter. You only see what you want to see. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Two of the hardest words in the entire whole Bible, in my opinion, are follow me. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but I'm just letting you know where we're going with this. Two of the hardest words in the whole Bible is follow me. And so here's the better question we asked earlier. How do we love those who are trying to control or manipulate us? From leaning into this story this morning, I hope we can learn three very important things that we need to to know how to love people who are trying to control every situation. And the first thing is this, and this is one of the critical pieces. So if you're taking notes, write this stuff down. This is good stuff. Number one, I think you better know what you're called to do. You better be knowing what you're called to do. And some of you have been called to be a farmer. That's fine. Do it well in, in the eyes of God. Some of you are called to be a teacher. Do it well in the eyes of God. Some of you have been called to do many other things. <laughs> Worker, you know, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. Whatever it may be, you better do it with all your heart working for the Lord. You know what you're called to do? Do it right. You see, Jesus knew his mission to which was what? To seek and to save sinners. He knew his mission. He knew it clearly. He also knew he, his job was to give life, his, his own life as a ransom, to die. And then he was going to be raised back to life. He knew his mission and his purpose. He knew everything. Jesus would say it in a different ways, but it was very clear. He had a purposeful mission statement of why God sent him to the earth. Why did Jesus come? Jesus would say this, I have come to seek and save the lost. He told us over and over again, I came to seek and save. And he also came who he, who he did not come for him. He said, I did not come for those who are what? Healthy. But I came for those who are what? Sick. Jesus said, I did not come for those who are righteous, but I came for the sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come so that the people would serve me, but I came to serve them by giving my life as a ransom for many. He said it over and over again to many of the disciples and his followers. And Jesus was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly clear on his calling and the purpose of why he came. And that's why he was describing to Peter, I've got to give my life. I'm going to suffer, Peter, but it's going to be God's calling on my life. It's my purpose. It's the why. And he will raise me back up because he's already told me what's about to happen. And for you to love those who are trying to control you, it's really important that you clearly define your calling in life to them. What is it that God is calling you to do? Remember, where there's clarity, there's vision, and especially of the why in your life. You're, you're building a foundation of, of what love can build on. That's our theme as we move into this whole next year and as we take off in the next five years. Love built this. You better know why. Because it's a foundational piece to prevent people from sucking the life out of you. For me, my calling 
First and foremost is easy. It's to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And in that, I get to, I get to love my wife and, 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 and lead my family, my four M&Ms. Then my calling, I, I fully devote myself is this next step is, is to be a pastor. And, and honestly, to say that, it just, sometimes it just, I can't even, I don't even, it's hard for me to say it because I honestly never thought I would ever be a pastor. I never thought in a thousand years I would be a leader or a pastor. But I know my calling and I know what took place in my home and in my hammock in my backyard. In my, and now it's just a drive and it's a passion. And, and, I, and I have an urgency to see others experience life that I have through Christ Jesus. And I pray that I, I get to walk alongside others to discover everything in them that, that Christ wants to multiply so he can send them out naturally. It's not manipulated. It happens naturally. Because I've learned one thing over the time is I'm not God. I don't want to play the Holy Spirit. I just want to fan the flame. And when that happens, good things happen. God things happen. So what does calling do? What does calling do for you? See, calling clarifies your life and allows others to know who you are in Jesus. When someone who wants to control your life and, they, and tell you where, where to go or what to do, you're able to identify with Christ's calling on your life and tell them with clarity that in the current circumstance, I don't think it's the wisest thing for me to be doing this because it doesn't align with what I'm called to do in Jesus. Some people would never, ever utter that. They would just go along because they're afraid. They live in fear. They live in that relationship vampire that can just suck the life out of you, and then eventually you're a walking zombie. You see, when you know what you're called to do, it creates clarity for the world to see Jesus. It just naturally does. So why does this matter? It's huge. Why does, why does everything, every controlling person have in common? What, what, what does every controlling person have in common? Every controlling person has someone who allows it. Have you caught it? What does every controlling person have in, in common? Is, is, is every controlling person has someone who allows it. Everyone who has controlling power has someone else who allows it. And so the person who is doing the controlling has a problem. Yes, they do. But so do we if we wrongly allow it to happen. That's why calling, that's why calling is so critically important. Clarify your calling is in this season is what is, is God is, is blessing you to do and to live and to breathe. When you clarify the calling, it will keep you from being distracted. It will keep you from being distracted away from everything else in life, especially his calling towards his desires. Here's my hunch. A lot of us know what you're being called to do. A lot of us do. You know exactly what you're being called to do, but you're not telling anybody. So therefore, they impose their, their will, and, and then you just, I'm done. Ah, it's just a, it's this and it's that. But what are you called to do? Who are you following? Who are you serving? What are you called to do? 
I hope you're loud and proud about it because it can change the trajectory of everything. Number two, if you're taking notes. Number two is critical. We know that number one, and now we know number two. Here it comes. Know when someone is trying to control you. I want you to just to know it, feel it, sense it. It's almost like your spider senses, right? We can use that for a moment. Know when someone's trying to control you. You see, when, when we look at the, the scriptures, Jesus says, this is what I must do. God's will give my life. And then I'm going to be raised from the dead. Peter stands in front of Jesus and stands him down and says, he tries to take control. No, Lord, never, never, Lord. This is not going to happen. Was Peter a bad guy? Not really. Did he dislike Jesus? No. Was it a goal to distract Jesus from God? I don't think so. Peter was a good guy that knew who Jesus was. In fact, the moments before the conversations, like we just mentioned, Jesus was asking a question and he said, who do other people say that I am? And all the disciples were answering it and, and, and no one really got it. But then all of a sudden Peter pipes up and he just, lie, he just, just lividly says this. He says, who do you say I am? And, and, and Peter got the answer exactly right. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus fires right back, Peter, that's right. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father, my father in heaven did. You see, Peter was not an evil man. Just like most of us, perhaps, that people that are trying to honestly manipulate a situation in some way or form or fashion to benefit the situation. But in that moment, he was putting his own plans, his own desires ahead of God. How many would say that one? Why do we do that? And that's why you have to acknowledge when you're, when you're called to do something and someone is trying to exert their will to take it away, you need to call the ace the ace. Why did Peter try to do, control Jesus? Because in that moment, he didn't understand God's plan. He couldn't see it. And that's why we have to recognize it if we're in the will of God. God gives us one life to live and not to be drained away from following others to rule over us, we're supposed to follow what? Him. See, it's the hardest thing in the world to do is to what? Follow me. Because it, it requires you. It requires you to call out everything that is around you. And you gotta tell people why, you do, why you're living, why you're breathing, and why you're moving in that direction. Number three. This is the tough one that, it's probably going to cause you to maybe to lose some friends. But the truth is, when you do this, you'll be standing on some amazing grounds. But you need to know when to draw a line in the sand. You need to know when to draw a line in the sand and say, this is, this is where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not going over there. You see, in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, what? Get behind me, what? Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind or the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I want you to think about this. Think about a family member that is always making you feel guilty. Maybe it's an in-law, mother-in-law, maybe, I don't know. But coworker, best friend, you look at them in the eye, and when they pipe up that next time, and you know it's, it's outside the will of God, and you just fire off this sentence, get behind me what? And see how that, that moment of conversation goes. What'd you say? 
uh, get behind me, Satan? But think about it. You don't have to say that, but I think you really need to, to draw a line in the sand. It's always, you know, if, if that conversation's always catering to them, how is your identity in Christ? If you're always, you know, literally being controlled and manipulated by them, how, how are you shining your light bright for Christ? If Jesus was so focused on Peter, he would have never stayed true with the mission. Would have just fell in line with what Peter said, what him to do. This is why it's so incredibly dangerous to cater to people and not to follow Jesus. And let me tell you something, what I've noticed, especially in the church world, and I can say this because I've grown up in the church for years, but I see more people following people than I see people following Jesus. And that's why we have churches that don't look like Jesus. They look like people. And if we're supposed to be salt and light to the world, they have every right, the world, to call us hypocrites because we're not honoring God. No one ever drew a line in the sand. And Jesus looks on and says, get behind me. Get behind me. I've got a purpose. I've got a mission. And I need to follow it to a T. Either you're with me or you're against me. What if in your life, there's someone that, that you loved and cared about, someone that even loves and, and cares about you, but in their dysfunction, they are distracting you from serving a higher calling and a higher purpose because you love what they think and you've listened and you've walked away with God simply because you followed them and not God. This is why it's so incredibly important. And Jesus looks on and says, in this moment, you don't have the mind things of God, but you have merely human concerns. We have to draw a line in the sand and you call it out what it is. It may cost your friendships, but I promise you will create clarity and freedom. And this is where it gets real personable for me. Even in this season of a church planning and in an early season of where we've been we had to draw the line in the sand and we lost some incredibly amazing friends. But if I would have followed them and I would have catered to them and I would have listened to them and I would have never been following what Jesus told me to do. He told me not to get off track, stay focused. And I did and it hurt. I drew a line. I said, I'm not moving. And since then we have seen amazing friendships, amazing things that come in and flooded in and filled us back up. It's an amazing experience trusting God and giving him everything because those people wanted nothing more than to suck the life out of me and I would have probably been dead by now because if we're just honest and transparent, there's a lot of pressure that goes into this being a pastor. Everybody's watching you, what you say and do, and they will call you out. It's not godly. He's a hypocrite. He's a narcissist. He's a, and the list goes on. I've heard them all. Yeah, I am sort of dysfunctional sometimes. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. But at least I can admit it. At least I just want to say, God, I want your help today because I don't want me in front of you. And sometimes I feel like God's even yelling at me, get behind me, Satan. Because I want, I want it my way. You see, we have said a lot of things this morning. But we could put everything around this whole idea, this, this one thing, if, if we could just lean into it and, 
And if, if you don't like what you have, change what you expect or what you accept. Change the, the situations around you. Change what you expect and what you accept. You better know where to draw the line in the sand because Jesus loved Peter, but he changed the expectations quickly. And this is what we do with people that we love that suck the life out of you. I love you so much, but you can't yell at me no more. We, we do not use the divorce word in our house, in our marriage anymore. You can't threaten me anymore like this. And I'm not going to, to own the guilt that you're trying to shove down my throat anymore. I'm going to love you constantly and furiously because I love God and God told me to love you. When do you do this? It's gonna change lives. It just will. It's gonna start with yours. And what's gonna happen? And most of the time, the controller is going to to kind of rear up and flex his chest, his muscles a little bit because they're just going to say something's, something's off. You're just, you're just off. You're just off. It's just, it's, just the, you know, it's just the season, right? They're going to get upset. They might even double down, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, but this is kind of fun. You know, they're going to double down and, and their dysfunctional is going to even get more flurry and then just, I mean, it's just going to flame out like in ways. It's, just, it's crazy, but it will change because we know in all things, God is what? Working, especially when we're following him and not pleasing others. It will change everything in your, your arena called life. So how do we know this? You see, at the end of this conversation in Matthew, Jesus finished it off by this conversation between his will and, and God's will and Peter's trying to stop it by saying something that changes everything. And, and this is where we need to put into application for us today. The next, the next thing in this context of this dysfunctional encounter, he, he turns away from Peter and he looks at his disciples and he says to them in verses 24 and 25, and it says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me We'll find it. You see, some of you come in here this morning just without life. I asked you something very simple with real clarity and a heartfelt understanding. If we just listen to Jesus' words right here, and I don't know what's happened to you this week and where you're at and where you're walking and whatever dysfunctional motions have been around. Maybe there's been some controlling situations like crazy. But if Jesus is right here just breathing these words and he turns and he says these to us, to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. How many has found life this week? Or have, can honestly just be really transparent and said, I'm lifeless. And the question would go back to you of why. In other words, this is what I want you to understand for today as we just wrap this up. You can't be your own God anymore. You can't 
be your own God anymore. And just like I'm going to have to give my life and just like God is going to raise me up, you too have to take up your own cross and follow him. What's it saying? If you want to follow Jesus, you'll never be in control again. And for some of us in here, that's tough to say, isn't it? It won't be about your will. It'll always be about his will. And from that moment on, it's all about his will. In other words, as much control as I like, I don't make a good God and neither do you. We don't make good gods. It's just that simple. Why is it so important? Because anytime we let someone else wrongly control us or anytime that we try to control someone else, essentially we're trying to be God. But the only way we can truly follow him is to surrender our will over to his and, and, and not try to control someone else, but in to entrust them to him and to pray for them, to love them appropriately without entering into this dysfunctional phase and sometimes say, I'm just going to have to trust the spirit of God. It's going to have to do a great work in you. And I can't control it. And I, I right now, am dying to myself and I'm trying to bring my flesh, my desires under the will of God because I want to truly follow Jesus. It's no longer about me and what I want because I need to be fully submitting myself over to be fully devoted to him. I think we could just sum it up with this and say this. It's on the screen, the bottom line for today. When we follow Jesus, we're not in control. When we follow Jesus, we are not in control. And that's going to be challenging for some of us today because we still want control. Some people like to orchestrate control. And sometimes what happens when those moments happen is we suck the life out of people. I heard it best even this past week from some people that I'm doing life with. But they said it this way, the church is just sucking the life out of them. And that's why I would like to say this. I just want you to be obedient to Jesus. I want you to just follow Jesus in a way that radically changes everything. And if it's a part of this church, that's awesome. If it's a part of another movement, that's amazing. I'll breathe, be your first person just cheering you on, but you better be answering the right questions. And not just because it's, it feels like it's controlling, but I'm just gonna follow into what God's told me to do. I'm gonna follow the will of God. I'm gonna be devoting my family and my friends and everybody that hangs out and, and, and breathes life into me. I'm, I'm just gonna point you back to one thing. I'm gonna center and point and live in Jesus. That's not controlling. That's just fanning the flame of what could happen if we all follow him. And when we get a chance to do that, life happens. Changed lives happen. When we gather around that idea and when we move to it together as one and we decide as one, we're gonna follow Jesus and we're no longer in control. That means our, our wallets are no longer in control. We, we have no more control of what happens there. You're just being obedient to what God's telling you to do. And, and maybe it's just to walk across the room at work and just to talk to somebody and to love on them in a way that, hey, I need, I need to love on you and I don't know what to do because you're sucking the life out of me. I can't even breathe right now because I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells constantly. 
I need to have this spiritual conversation with you that I need you to know that I love Jesus. And because of that, I need to have this conversation and just trust that conversation. It's trusting the Holy Spirit. Don't control it. Allow it just to move freely through you in a way that radically redefines the atmospheres. And when we do that, it changes lives, starting with yours. And so I ask you, where do you have control? Who has control over you? And maybe it's this last piece. Maybe the control is Satan. Maybe Satan is tripping you up in a way that's holding you back. Maybe he's being the stumbling block. You shouldn't go to the altar because what if they find out? What if my wife knows? What if they judge me? What if I lose my friends? You know, there's no condemnation when you come to Christ. You are a new creation. You're, you're, you're born again. You're, you're stepping into light. There's no more darkness. That's why Jesus drew a line and said, get behind me, Satan, because he wants to do nothing more than lie, what? Steal, kill, and destroy. You want to know why sometimes we walk and we just feel like the life has been sucked out of us? Maybe because we're controlling our own faith by listening to the wrong person. I don't want that for anybody. So I'm asking today, before you walk out of here, to lean into who God is calling you to be. To lean into the Holy Spirit in a way that radically can change everything from this moment forward. And if you're the person who's got the controlling issues, when you follow Jesus, just remember this. You're surrendering control and you're just following the light from here on out. And that changes everything. Relationship vampires, they can suck the life out of you. But when we learn to love God in a way that changes lives, it produces life. And that's my prayer. And we don't walk out of here just drained today. We walk out with abundant life that can change everything. So Jesus, today we just pray and we ask that you just be with us. As we know, control is a huge piece of of what we say and do and how we live because we love it. And others love to impose it on us. And I think, honestly, Satan loves it the most. He just wants to sneak in and control things in a way that doesn't cause life, doesn't cause changed lives. He wants to hold us hostage in a way that honestly produces bad fruit. Love's never at the center of it. We never see joy anymore. We never see hope. We don't see grace. We don't see anything that is of you. We just, we're lifeless. Father, we're... We just, just ask for your Holy Spirit just to move. If we can get this one right, it potentially has the, the potential to change the atmosphere of where we work, where we live, where we play, and what we call home. This is home base for us. We get to celebrate what God's doing and producing life, God. I know that's possible. 
And I saw these hands go up a while ago. They know people in their lives that control, who love control. And possibly, if we're just honest, we like control. So Father, I'm just asking that we just surrender to you in a way that changes our lives today. That we walk into work tomorrow, we walk home even today, and we just say, I give you everything And I'm going to change my life in a way that no longer I have control because I make a lousy God. And we learn from your words that our job is to give our life, to serve others, to love them in a way that reflects who you are and everything we say and do. And sometimes, Lord, we have to draw a line in the sand and follow you, even though it may hurt. Father, be with us as you begin to just do what you're doing. It's moving hearts as we sing a song and we trust you.